been journeying through the book of James in this amazing series that we're in called Wholehearted. And I really, really, really love James, right? James just says it like it is. If you know me, you know I really just appreciate really direct talk, right? You don't have to pull any punches. You don't have to beat around the bush. You can just say it. So James does that, and I love that. Uh, Remember that James also goes by the name Jacob, and he was the half-brother of Jesus. So James is writing from this place where he has lived his entire life seeing Jesus model these principles, right? Sometimes I think like, Man, my kids could really share some stories on each other because they live together every day and there are some highs, but there are some low, low, lows, right? But James doesn't do that, right? He doesn't spill any tea about Jesus. He's like, yeah, Jesus was actually the real deal. He lived this out day in and day out and he modeled perfectly what it means to be wholehearted. And so I hope that you've enjoyed the series so far and I hope you've been journeying through the book of James with us, reading it every single week. Because the purpose of this book of James, the purpose of our series, is that we would learn how to become wholehearted disciples. And today we're gonna look at a new way, a new lens of seeing wholeheartedness and it's through our relationships. What does it mean to have a wholehearted relationship with someone, right? And how do we as believers um, use our faith to inform the way that we interact with people and connect with them or don't connect with them. The question is, are we intentionally living in relationship and intentionally trying to connect with others? And we're gonna explore all those things. But what we're gonna look at in the book of James today is that wholehearted disciples really do learn how to love and value their neighbor as they love and value themselves. And as we get into the text, we're gonna see that James is pretty clear that wholehearted relationships, if we're living that way, it means that we show no favoritism. So let's go ahead and pray and we're going to jump into the text here together. So Holy Spirit, we love you. We love you. Thank you so much for your word. Thank you, Jesus, for living so perfectly so that we have this beautiful example to follow. And thank you, Father, for this invitation that you call us into a life of devotion, that we can be wholehearted disciples and followers of you. And thank you, Lord, that you're here to be our teacher today. Uh, We love you and we can't wait to experience you, encounter you, and learn more about you. So we welcome you in Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to, no surprise, the book of James. We're gonna camp out here in chapter two for a little bit and we'll have it on the screen for you, of course. Let's hear what James has to say about wholehearted relationships. He says this, my dear brothers and sisters, fellow believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, how could we say that we have faith in him, Jesus, and yet we favor one group of people over another? Suppose an influential man comes into your worship meeting wearing gold rings and expensive clothing, and also a homeless man in shabby clothes comes in. If you show special attention to the rich man in expensive clothes and say, here's a seat of honor for you right up front, but you turn to the poor beggar dressed in rags, you can, you can stand over here or sit on the, over there on the floor in the back, then you've demonstrated gross prejudice among yourselves and used evil standards of judgment. So listen carefully, my dear brothers and sisters. Hasn't God chosen the poor in the world's eyes to be those who are rich in faith? And won't they be heirs, in the kingdom, uh, heirs of the kingdom realm he promised to those who love him? But yet you insult and shun the poor in your efforts to impress the rich. Isn't it the wealthy who exploit you and drag you into court? Aren't they the very ones who blaspheme the beautiful name of the one you now belong to? Your calling is to fulfill the royal law of love as given to us in this scripture. You must love and value your neighbor as you love and value yourself. 
for keeping this law is the noble way to live. But when you show prejudice, you commit sin and you violate this royal law of love. Wow, there is so much rich, deep, convicting stuff in this passage, isn't there? I think it's hard for me to put into words what I feel when I read something like this because this passage paints such a vivid picture of what prejudice looks like in our world. But as James says, it's what prejudice looks like in the church. And what he's saying here is that we are all guilty, essentially, of judging a book by its cover. We have favored one group over another based on external factors. We have demonstrated prejudice and we've walked in judgment and we violated the royal law of love, which is to love and value our neighbor as we love and value ourselves. And I get it. You're sitting here thinking, wow, Leah, this is really, really depressing. Pretty, pretty discouraging. Thank you for this wonderful, inspirational word. (laughs) I get it. But also know this it's going to get better, right? There's always hope in Jesus. He's so, so faithful. And so just know that if you're feeling, well, actually, if you're feeling in this moment, even any amount of like shame, if you read the scripture and there's like this shame or this conviction that says like, you're guilty, you've messed it up. Man, we actually speak to the shame in the name of Jesus and we command it to leave. Do you know that Jesus will never, ever, ever shame you? He doesn't shame you. Now he will convict us of our righteousness. He'll say, "Uh uh-uh, that's not who you are. I've made you different. You're a brand new creation. And there's a new way to live as a wholehearted disciple, but he never shames us. So if at any point today that you feel shame, it's not from the Lord and you can tell it to leave. Okay, so back to James 2. The heartbeat of this passage is that we would learn how to live out wholehearted relationships, that we would not be living our lives committing the sin of favoritism. So everyone say favoritism. Yes, if you're listening online, you drop that in the chat, favoritism, right? Some, some translations call this the sin of partiality or the sin of prejudice, <laughs> but whatever we call it, it's when we judge someone according to what we see and we treat them according to that judgment. When we judge the value and worth of a person based on something external, be it uh, clothes, body size, career, race, wealth, even their behavior. Anyone ever experienced discrimination before? Have you ever uh, had someone who had a preconceived opinion about you that wasn't based on facts or even experience, where they judged you based on something external? I remember sitting in my seventh grade science class and the teacher had given us a few extra minutes at the end of class to talk to our friends. And so I was sitting there waiting for the bell to ring and I overheard some of my friends talking behind me. And my one friend who we'll just call James for the sake of today, um, I, I saw James out of the corner of my eye and he was getting so mad. He was like puffing up with anger. He, I saw spit like fly out of his mouth. Like dude was mad. I was like, what? what's James so mad about? What's making him so angry? So I eavesdropped, right? (laughs) I listened. Now James, seventh grader, 12-year-old boy, was going on and on about how disgusted he was by people on welfare. 12 years old. And so I I leaned in and I listened, and this is what I heard. We must stop stop supporting those scummy people on welfare. It's not right that my parents have to pay higher taxes to support those lazy people. I mean, if they just get a job, my family wouldn't have to be bothered with paying their bills. My eyes widened and like my heart sank and panic started filling my soul. And I thought, he can't know. 
He can't, he can't know that just last night I went and picked up the groceries for my family using our food stamps. He can't know that I live in a section eight apartment. He can't know that my single parent mom is on disability. He can't know that the person he's so disgusted by and so furious at is actually me. It's me. Now that day I was the recipient of partiality due to my poverty my poverty. And, and I, I couldn't believe it. I mean, this is actually my friend, right? This is someone who was in advanced classes with me, someone who served on student council with me. And I thought, how? How could he look and make a judgment about me just because I'm on welfare? He looked at an external factor in my life to determine my internal worth and value. Now, this is a pretty insignificant example compared to injustices that many people in our church family and of course our community at large actually experience. So please don't hear me say like, whoa, is Leah. Like, it's not like that. However, I do believe Holy Spirit used this moment to shape me in a profound way. And what he reminded me of was in 1 Samuel 16, 7, says this, the Lord doesn't look at and see things, the Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. But listen, we've been trained to do this since birth, right? We have been taught to process external factors, to make a judgment, and then treat a person a certain way based on that judgment. So we ascribe worth and value to someone based on what we see on the outside. And when we see that someone is, is not valuable, then we just, we don't give them the time of day, right? We don't pursue relationship. We don't pursue connection, we don't have time for people who we don't see as valuable. So we don't take time to really connect with the cashier who's bagging up our groceries, right? Why? I don't need to know them. They just hear from my groceries, right? The pizza delivery guy, he's just a pizza guy. Like, why do I have to know his name, his story? Like, who cares? How about that guy at work that is such a suck up? And you think, man, why does the boss not see what everybody else sees? I'm not giving that guy any time of day. Can't stand the guy. What about that neighborhood kid who keeps showing up at your house and all he wants is snacks all day long and he's a nuisance? Ugh, I don't need to connect with him. I'm just gonna throw some granola bars at him. How about your daycare worker? You go to drop off the kid, pick up the kid. Do you see that they are made in the image of God and of so much worth and value? Or do you see them as someone who's just there to watch a kid? wholehearted disciples of Jesus show no favoritism. And because we've been made these brand new creations, wholehearted disciples of Jesus don't favor one group of people over another. That means we won't look to external factors to determine internal worth and value. We will look at every person that we encounter as a child of God made in his image and of so much worth and value. But since we're amongst friends today, can we just be honest for a minute and say, this is actually really hard. This is so hard to live out because we, we naturally tend to pursue connection and favor people who possess what we esteem, right? It, it feels very natural. So we show favoritism to people who actually have what we want, whether it's money, social status, power, talent, uh, intelligence, beauty, spirituality, right? We glamorize and idolize those who have what we want and then we devalue those who don't. Think about, think about what the world celebrates, right? What kind of people does the world value? What kind of people are worthy of our time and our attention and our connection? Well, the world idolizes people, why? Because they can sing, 
because they can play basketball, because they have social media followers? Like, what? Who cares, right? Tell me how any of those things actually change the world. Whose life is changed by someone's jump shot? I mean, go Illini, right? We love to watch it, but whose life is impacted? How is the world changed through any of these things? But this is what we celebrate. Let's be honest, if we were at a grocery store and a celebrity walked in, you would do anything you could to one, get a selfie, right? Pursue connection, you wanna get to know them. Why? Why is that so valuable to you in that moment and to me? Why are we drawn to connect with some people but not to others? Why do we assign value to certain people and not to others? And here's the problem, church. We are valuing, valuing the wrong things. We're valuing the wrong things. We are looking to external things instead of looking at the heart. But as wholehearted disciples of Jesus, as wholehearted disciples, we have an opportunity to see people differently than the world sees them. We get to see the world with a different lens thanks to Holy Spirit. In fact, I love how Jesus says this in John 7. He says, stop judging based on the superficial. First, you must embrace the standards of mercy and truth. Who sets the standard of mercy and truth? It is none other than the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ. And he has declared every single person to be so valuable. They are made in the image of God. He declares you worthy. So much so that he lived this perfect life. He died on a cross and he rose again just so that you would be in relationship with our heavenly father. I I just don't know how you get more valuable than that. I don't. And our tension is we start judging people and things based on the superficial, right? We make a judgment and we change our treatment of people based on what we see. So we need help. And there's a prayer that I pray almost every single day. And it is, Holy Spirit, show me what I don't see. Holy Spirit, show me what I don't see. Why? Because I can be swayed by the world. I can start valuing and celebrating things that the world celebrates that are not the things that the Father celebrates. As a a society, we have gotten way off track in what we celebrate. We spend our whole lives actually trying to create something that I don't even know if it was God's intention for us, if I'm being totally honest. What do we pursue? Lucrative careers, fame, beauty, you know, that great family. I would say here in America, we celebrate the attainment of the American dream, right? This is what we're going after. We pursue the dream home, the white picket fence, the 2.5 kids, the dog, not me, I don't like animals, but you might, right? We, we want all these things. This is how we live out the American dream. The question is, what if we're pursuing the wrong dream? Shouldn't wholehearted disciples look different than the world? What if we would change our focus from pursuing the American dream to pursuing the kingdom dream? What is the invitation from the Father? As wholehearted believers, it looks different. The kingdom dream is one simple thing and it's found in our text in James 2. Your calling is to fulfill the royal law of love as given to us in this scripture. You must love and value your neighbor as you love and value yourself. What if the creator of the universe, our heavenly father, cares more about the way we treat one another than he does about our pursuit of the American dream or our accolades or our successes? What if that didn't even matter to him? What if the world would begin to celebrate and and glamorize character more than we celebrate social media followers? (laughs) 
What if the purpose of our earthly experience is to learn to love and value our neighbor as we love and value ourselves? What if the whole goal was to live in wholehearted relationships with one another? Right? The kingdom of God is backwards and our lives are like but a breath. Think about the older I get, the faster time goes, life is just slipping by. And I think, man, what really matters to me? People get to the end of their lives and they get to this place like they, they don't care about their career. They don't care about anything. They care about connection with people. The relationships are the things we have to take with us into eternity, my friends. So one thing that matters, and yet we're confused. We're pursuing things that don't even matter and we're wholehearted disciples. Jesus says, hey, would you start pursuing connection with people? Would you not show favoritism? Would you begin to see people the way that I see them? Stop looking to the external things and making a judgment about them. Start seeing the heart. Because not only do we make the judgments, we're really good at justifying our judgment. Oh, help us, Lord. You know, we go back to that text in James 2 and you see the homeless man that comes into the church. And I just want you to think about what it is that the, the world says about this homeless man in the church. What, what kind of value does society ascribe to someone who is wearing shabby clothes or no, no home, right? I mean, you can hear the real, right? You can hear it. I mean, it's his own fault he's there, <laughs> right? I mean, if he could keep a job, he wouldn't be in that situation. You know, I've worked hard for absolutely everything I have. He can do that too. He's probably just getting what he deserves. Oh, if we got what we deserved. Oh, if we got what we earned. You guys, the very essence of the gospel is that we couldn't do it, right? Romans 3.23, every single one of us have missed the mark. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. And yet we think we're somehow better. We've done it. No, Jesus lived a perfect life he died, he rose again so that all of us could be reconciled to the father. The father couldn't stand the thought of any one of his kids being separated from him. And so he made it possible. He made a way for all of us. And when we begin to understand first that that grace and mercy has come towards us, that that compassion has been given to us, we become much more willing to share that same compassion with the world. Let the father speak to your heart right now. Let him soften you. Let him show you what he sees. There's more to it sometimes than what we see on the outside. The very same freedom that God has extended to you and to me is the same mercy, the same grace, the same freedom he extends to that person that is hardest for you to love. The person you just don't wanna give your time to, the person you just want to go away, the one you don't wanna connect with, you don't wanna lean in with. And I think there's an invitation to lean in. I think there's an invitation from Jesus right now to pursue connection with people the way that he does. So who is it that Jesus is asking you to see in a new light? Let's take that homeless man on the street. It's really easy to look at the externals, right? I'm seeing shabby clothes. He probably doesn't care, right? He's probably just a drunk and I'm not funding that. I'm not giving him anything. No way. Holy Spirit, show me what I don't see. He says, oh, Leah, my son. He says, I love him so much. Here's, here's what you don't know. His life has been so hard, right? He spent his childhood being beaten. His teen years, he bounced around from foster home to foster home. He's always told he'll never amount to nothing or to anything. He's just, he's totally worthless. 
Zoe turns to drugs to numb the pain of abandonment. You know that nobody, nobody says, when I grow up, I want to be an addict. When I grow up, I want to live on the streets. Nobody, nobody pursues that. Can we just pause for a moment and see things from a bigger picture? Can we just pause for a moment and value and dignify the person in front of us that they are made in the image of God of so much worth and value and we don't always know their story. It's very easy to see how people with no hope are filled with despair. Are we not hope bringers? Are we not the hope for the world? We have such an opportunity to let every person in this great world know how valuable they are to the Father. We are not called to look to external factors and judge people and and not connect with them. That's not the call. We are called to live in wholehearted relationships where we pursue connection at all costs. What an opportunity, church. Let's read again this passage in James 2. My dear brothers and sisters, fellow believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, how could we say that we have faith in him and yet we favor one group of people above another? Suppose an influential man comes into your worship meeting wearing gold rings and expensive clothing and also a homeless man in shabby clothes comes in. If you show special attention to the rich man in expensive clothes and say, here's a seat of honor for you right up front, but you turn and say to the poor beggar dressed in rags, you can stand over here or sit there on the floor in the back. You've demonstrated gross prejudice among yourselves and used evil standards of judgment. Listen carefully, my dear brothers and sisters. Hasn't God chosen the poor in the world's eyes to be those who are rich in faith? And won't they be heirs of the kingdom realm he promised to those who love him? I have a confession to make. We were a little deceptive last week and please hear my heart. My heart was not to deceive you. Um, I'm actually, my bachelor's degree from the U of I is in sociology and I love a really good social experiment. And so if you weren't here or you missed it, I invited my friend to actually sit under our stoop uh, out the south entrance during services last week. And I wanted to test out James's theory when he says, what if a man in rags comes to your church? How would you treat him? And I just want to say, I'm so proud of this church family. I'm so proud because thanks to our amazing production and creative teams, we actually had some cameras set up. And I want you to take just a moment now and see how you treated my friend.
Can I get you some coffee or anything? Are you sure? Can I pray for you? Okay, well, dear God, I pray um, that your presence would just be here right now. And God, I ask that your um, peace and your your presence would just surround him and just fill him up. And um, I pray that as he um, just goes about with his life, God, that you would just um, just bring him like abounding. Just just bless him, God. Just bless him in every kind of way. And God, I pray that you would just fill up his heart and that he would know he's so beyond loved by you and that he's a child of the king. And that he is always welcome into your arms. Yeah, so I just pray that you would have a good rest of your day and that you would know that you can come in and join us anytime. In Jesus' name, amen. So we got some, uh, we got some rep students here and um, we're just wondering, would we be able to pray over you? Yeah. Is there anything that uh, you want prayer for specifically? Or? Okay. Uh, is it cool if we place our hands on you? No? Okay. Cool. So, do you want to start? Do you want me to start? You can start. Okay. So, Lord, I thank you for uh, this man here. Um, I thank you that uh, he was able to stop by. And I, I don't think that it was a mistake him showing up here. And I think that um, this is actually just a, a blessing to him. And I pray that um, um, just this morning, people would be able to see him out here and they would just pour into him and you would be able to pour your love into him through those people. We just pray that all these people would um, encourage him and he would just fall in love with you and your spirit, Lord. So we, we bless you and we thank you. I also pray that you can get better and that people will help you out and that you'll get blessed with the Spirit and, you know, have a good rest of your day. Hey, um, I don't know, like, why, you know, it's your choice if you don't want to go inside. Uh, no one here is going to pressure you, but if it's because you think you're not worthy, I just want to tell you that if, if that were true, none of us should be in there. Jesus died for everybody. And he didn't die for religion either. That's what I love about this place. It's not religious. It's a relationship. So that's my uh, welcome to you. God bless you, man. I'm so very proud of this church family. And what I loved uh, seeing more than even the money, the food, it was you, you truly connected with my friend, truly connected. You didn't let external factors get in the way of the love and the, the value that you saw and the worth that you saw. And you extended the mercy of Jesus in so many beautiful ways. And so I'm just, again, so proud of this church family. And what you might not know is that my friend, you actually know, and he was given explicit instructions not to talk to you, so that's on me if you felt ignored, but um, you know him, you love him. This is Thad Sweet, your very own care pastor who did this social experiment with me, so thank you, Thad. I thought it would be um, really great just to hear from him, to hear him share his experience as someone who went through this, thank you. Let me say this first too. Your donations were so kind, so honoring, so loving. This is going straight to See You at Home, which is uh, you know the organization here that takes care of the homeless here in our community. So $206 and some change that you 
generously gave will be going straight to that. And of course, we have one winner's night coming up. Um, I know that Mike and our senior pastor and then some of the team is helping with that as well, their annual fundraiser, but that's going straight to them. So thank you. But Thad, share a little bit about your experience, would you? Um, I, uh, well, I started out last, late last week, out Friday, Saturday, um, and, and really felt like God had, um, well, I felt, I knew he had something in store for all of us, but I really felt like he had something specific he wanted to show me as I was playing this role of, of a homeless man, um. And so I began to pray this prayer that I've prayed many times. It's an old prayer. Uh, the founder of World Vision crafted this prayer, and it's simply, God, break my heart for what breaks yours. Mm-hmm. I just felt like there was this incredible opportunity for me to get some sense or semblance of what a homeless man would, would go through and would feel. Um, really small sense. And so as Sunday hit, um, I, I was overcome with waves of shame and embarrassment. Mm. Um, you know, Leah asked me not to really interact with people. That was not hard because of what I was feeling and experiencing. Um, but on the flip side, I can, as Leah shared, I, I was so blessed and so overwhelmed by the generosity that you all um, expressed towards me. I did not hear one negative comment uttered in my direction. Mm. Uh, Many of you took the time to stop and just acknowledge my presence there, which was huge. Many of you um, offered to pray for for me. Um, There was, uh, many of you offered to bring me out food and drink. Um, There was a few of you that just went ahead and did that on your own. And all that meant a great deal because I felt very seen Mm. and I felt, um, I didn't feel shunned, I didn't didn't feel judged in any way, but there were two encounters that really stood out to me and they were captured on the video we just watched and two different gentlemen at different times, um, one of them had brought food out to me earlier, um, came inside the church and then he came back out and just said, hey. Um, I didn't pray for you earlier. I didn't offer that up. Mm. Is that okay if I pray for you right now? Um, And then the second gentleman we we caught um, towards the end of the video, um, as he was just talking about, you know, asking me why, why, if if I didn't want to come inside because I didn't feel worthy and just Mm. making that connection that we're, it's not about our worth and our value. All are welcome here. All are welcome here. And those two encounters just wrecked me in the best way possible. I still have moments of, of tears and crying mm-hmm. as I recall those and go through those encounters in my head. And um, it just sort of led me to be thinking about my own life and how easy it is to get to a place where I treat people as transactions and mm-hmm. not as opportunities for connection. I would say that's probably the biggest thing that I've taken away from this experience is where in my life am I treating people simply as a transaction? And as I felt convicted about that, I felt the Holy Spirit continue that and really invite me into something 
new, not new, but invite me into something beyond that. And, mm. and that invitation, I think, is for all of us today. And that's to simply see people as valuable and as worthy from the start. There you go. Before we see their circumstance, before we see the external, that when we begin to look at each other, at your fellow human beings, that we see each person as valuable. Because they are. Yeah. Each of us are God's creation. Each of us are God's kids. And that makes us valuable. Whether we have anything to offer or not, we're all valuable in his eyes. And so... Um, you know, that's just my invitation to each of us today is where are we seeing people as transactions and how, how can we turn that around into seeing them as opportunities for connection, seeing them as people that are valuable. Um, and thankfully, Leah shared this so many times, the Holy Spirit is there to help us that's do this. Right. We don't have to figure this out on our own. Holy Spirit will help us do this. And as we accept that help. And as we walk with him through that, that's how we become more wholehearted followers of him. That's right. And what an opportunity. I mean, again, we come back to this royal law of love. The one thing, the one thing that the father asked of us is that we would love and value people the way that we love and value ourselves. And I think it's just such an opportunity to see real change in the world, that we would begin to celebrate these kinds of interactions, not transactions, as you said so beautifully, but that there's an opportunity to extend the love, the mercy, the hope of Jesus. We are hope carriers. We are the ones who actually have this opportunity to change the world through the good news of Jesus Christ. Would we be willing to lean in for connection, even with people that we don't like, we don't want to lean in with, we don't want to have a connection with. There's such an opportunity. This is like the purpose of every part of our life. It's people. Could we value and see and dignify the people right in front of us? Could we pause where we would say, it's not about, well, I don't have time for that. Yeah, you do. You gotta, it, we have one life to live. Can we pause and be present in our moment and allow Holy Spirit to create incredible breakthrough in someone's life because we are wholehearted disciples. This is what it looks like. And so we actually, we just wanna invite you to stand right now, wherever you're uh, right here. If you wanna stand up with us, if you're listening online, we're gonna do some prayer. And so just like get into a place of receiving what God has for you today. But we believe that Holy Spirit wants to give you a deposit of his love today. And so that, do you actually just wanna pray over us here? Holy Spirit, we welcome you here today, and we, mm -hmm. we thank you. We're grateful for, for your support, for your guidance, and for your strength. We thank you for moments of, of correction, and yet you don't stop with the correction. You, that leads to an invitation to becoming more wholehearted in our devotion to you. And so I just pray today, Father, that each person here, each person watching, would begin to be overwhelmed by a sense of your love for them mm -hmm. and for everyone around them. Yes, sir. God, that we would see, we would truly see each person as you see them, as a person filled with value, filled with worth. And God, for those that are in less than ideal circumstances, that you truly would break our heart for what breaks yours, that we would be, as we see each person with value, that then we would be moved with compassion mm. to connect with them in whatever way you lead us to. We thank you for your help in this, Holy Spirit. We yes, thank Lord. you for your, your guidance and your courage to follow you.
Yeah, and I'm even just like sensing now, um, some of us have really struggled to live out the royal law of love, to love and value the person right in front of us because we actually don't love and value ourselves. And so Holy Spirit right now, for anyone who is struggling to love themselves, they're filled with shame, they're filled with um, hatred towards themselves. Father, we just break that off in the name of Jesus. And I pray right now for a fresh revelation of your love for us. God, that, that we were the ones that you, you gave your life for. It was for me. Father, I thank you that you're always saying good things about us, that you are filled with kindness and compassion towards us, that you love who you've created us to be. So Holy Spirit, show us what we don't see even about ourselves. And as we begin to receive that love right now, Holy Spirit, thank you that you are going to show us how to give that love away to the world. Thank you, Lord, that you've made it so simple. There's just the one thing, love people, value people, connect with people, lean in with people. People are your most prized possession, Lord. So I just pray against any of the worldly distractions, the pursuit of the American dream, the, the things we're trying to build that won't have value for eternity, Father. And we pray right now for us to begin to see the things that really matter to you. Holy Spirit, we pray for a fresh baptism of love for us and for the world. And thank you, Father, that you teach us how to live as wholehearted disciples. We love you so much, Jesus. And we pray all these things in your name. Amen.